Is there one movie you think we've seen so far that, like, if for some weird reason we had to... Vampire's Kiss. Yeah? Yeah. So you would, like, you wouldn't mind doing that one again? Would you no. watch it again? Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Maybe I think there's more to that movie than there, there actually is. I don't is. know about that. I mean, how many times have you seen it? I or feel De- like you would have Deadfall. picked up on it by now. Deadfall I would do again, because I've seen that one... Only twice as opposed to three <laughs> times with Vampire's Kiss. But like, yeah. di- I mean, Wild at Heart or, or, oh, Raising Arizona. That'd be a good one. Although I don't know. I mean, those, oh boy. Anything from that 80s period. I d- you know what, Miles? I, I do every single one. <laughs> the Boy in Blue. Even Firebirds. Guarding Tess. Guarding t- no, fuck. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit on that. There is no way that no, you would I do Guarding Tess I wouldn't. I'd rather die. <laughs> that is, yeah. Okay, you'd rather die, but suppose there is some, like, really intense torture situation where they've got, like, a gun to, like, your mother's <laughs> head, and they're like, you need to watch uh guarding tests seven more times in a row or we're gonna shoot her you need to Would watch you do it guarding tests and sunny um every single hour on the hour on the hour uh, for the next 24 hours take notes on it and record another podcast about it simultaneously you have to do both at the same time well yeah i would well, ask if my mom could do it with me i think mm. just <laughs> Just, so, like, just I in case you have, just I could keep an eye. I make sure that they were going to like fulfill their end of the promise. I don't want to be doubting things while I'm watching Guardians, and you know, and then like could get her involved. It could be like a bonding experience, you know. Um, but like, little do the uh, little do the kidnappers know that you guys have actually switched faces. Yeah, right. So, and uh, little does my mom know that I'm actually conning her. <laughs> And the but little do you know like, that your mom's actually <laughs> knows you're conning her and she's conning con, you. Yeah, he con, she conned me first. So that's a good segue uh, into this in, into this week's episode <laughs> of Matchstick Men, which is yet another uh, another film in the Nick Cage series of movies where he plays a con man who is simultaneously getting conned and uh, and and also. Conning. Like conning, yeah. cons I on guess? cons. It's cons what we were talking about with, right. with Deadfall, right. except that this movie um, hangs together narratively, hangs together uh, a lot more, a lot cohesively, maybe for the to worse. its detriment. I think so. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think if you know the twist of this movie, um, then uh, it's no longer quite as interesting. No, which I have. I I actually saw this uh, film. Oh, you know what? Oh, we you're pulling d- up the panther. Yeah. I started to do that and then, okay, I'm sorry. Oh, you want to try and do it at the same time? Okay. Okay, hold on. Okay. All right. Count it down. Oh, wait, are we going on three? three All right. We're going three, two, and on one. We're going to do it. Okay. Three, two, one. That was actually, we. I think we handled that pretty good. Yeah, it was like the a problem slap is there's delay. like ten seconds of silence at the front, so mm-hmm. we would have had to have coordinated like what, like when we were starting the I video. I was, I was using a different video too. Oh, really? Same sound effect though. Classic. Only four seconds long though. 
Oh, as opposed to like 20, like the other one? Yeah, yeah where you got to wait 10 seconds for him to roar and then there's another 10 seconds on the other end. Yeah, I don't know why <laughs> that's the more popular video. It's got oh. like thousands and thousands and thousands of views. So Le- apparently... Leave, leave this all in. This is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't I? Uh, <laughs> Matchstick Men. Yeah, man, Matchstick Fuck. Men. A Ridley Scott a Ridley joint. Scott joint. This is very weird to me that this is a Ridley Scott film. Yeah, and, he made this after like Gladiator and Black Hawk Down. <laughs> and then like yeah which arguably his last good movie black hawk down yeah. yeah black hawk down's a good movie was prometheus good no okay it's not i'll take your word on that it's a movie with a with some good scenes in it and some interesting ideas and it's a terrible movie <laughs> alien uh what was it, alien covenant or whatever the the yeah, one that's pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I especially like the scene where, uh, spoiler, uh, <laughs> Fassbender makes out with himself. Yeah, you, you didn't know there'd be spoilers for Alien Covenant in this app, but uh, but look, oh, I guess I should also just say this up front just general blanket spoiler alert for like literally yes. any Ridley Scott movie because later on I'm, I kind of want to get into like Ridley Scott as the, a director, yeah, so uh. If you don't want to like any spoilers on like potentially any Ridley Scott film, then turn it off before the end. Yeah, he's fascinating. He's he, he and Brian De Palma and like Michael Mann all have really interesting uh, career, arcs. career arcs. I mean, yeah, yeah definitely. Of uh, these kind of yeah. I do also want to say this at the top, just before we sink our teeth into it. Um, mm, I would wait. like to apologize. This is somewhat of a corrections corner for last Ooh. episode. I would like to apologize to Texas City, Texas, oh. uh, because I feel like I made some flippant remarks about <laughs> like I could care less if Texas City is even a real place or something like that. Uh, in reference to uh, our sunny episode, sunny, yeah. uh, there's a there's a portion of sunny that takes place in in Texas City, yeah. uh, and you know, I mean, it's just very uh, coastal elite of me mm. to brush Texas City off like that. So I'd like to apologize uh, and just give a couple quick facts about it uh, okay, please. to kind of you know make up for my. Um, yeah. Snobbery. I, I think that's so. Texas very... City, Texas. Uh, it is in Galveston County, and it's in mm. the southeast uh, portion of the state, like right on the Gulf, mm. uh, basically. So it is a coastal resort. It is town. in Texas, though. It is in Texas. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. it is squarely in Texas. Mm. Uh, it's not like a Kansas City situation. <laughs> yeah. See, that Kansas um, City kind of threw me. Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of fucks everyone. Change the game because I think now you assume that if it has the state next to city that it's it is in fact probably in another state um anyway so shouts to texas city i want to take this opportunity to come out against texas city texas i've never been there i don't know anything else about it but it sounds like a shithole and i hate it and Uh, i hope everyone dies rajneeshi style i hope they get poisoned (laughs) matchstick men dave can i ask you something while we're on tangents yeah um Growing up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, was the specter of the Rajneeshis like over that yes. part of the state still when you were a kid? Dude, I'm so excited. Because you grew up like a, like about a decade after it all happened, right? Is when you were like young enough to start to like... I mean, yeah. I, I Well, I was born in 87, but, um, but I mean, it's still hangs over that town like see this i'm really excited that have you seen that documentary that i'm uh, i think i'm out? one or two episodes from the end so i haven't finished yeah. it but i'm i love it Dude, so far yeah, it's really it, good it's a, well it's an amazing story that like nobody outside of oregon seems to remember 
but uh yeah i've been to antelope it's like um it's crazy and yeah that that was very much a fucking a, a thing um yeah yeah someone should just interview me about my thoughts and feelings about it they're not very deep or extensive but uh but they're i, I mean them a lot <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that the doors are be finally being blown open uh, internationally about this uh, bizarre like, like chapter in Oregon's history. I know. Well, I, someone told me about it, and I had that thing that that re- annoying response of when you're like, I, you're like, I knew about it. I was, I, I've been saying, didn't you know? <laughs> you know, like it was cool of me to like know about this cult, but uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's just crazy because you see, like when I moved here, uh, our friend Max had a t- tarot deck that Osho had like designed or like based on oh, Osho. Oh, no way. Yeah. And That's I was like, crazy. I was like, do you guys know who Osho is? And I was just like, no, it's just some new age guy because the Rajnishis are still in force and he is still like, he's still revered a guru. Revered as like He's a still guru. revered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like, dude, they poisoned the salad bar. <laughs> You know, just people just trying to like hit Sizzler up for dinner, man. Yeah. It's really. All right. Anyway. All right. So Uh, this is a podcast about Nicolas Cage. Oh, who? Yes. I remember now. Um, He's the star of 2003's Matchstick Man. Yeah. A. A Ridley Scott joint. A Ridley Scott joint. Also, probably more like you know, recognizable as like a, a strong Sam Rockwell vehicle than I think anything else having to do with Ridley Scott or cage. Yeah. Yes. I agree. Like, I don't know. I feel like in some ways, uh, Sam Rockwell like saved this movie from taking itself too seriously. Yeah, that's true. He's kind of, he, he's in, I, I know he came first, but it, it's kind of like a Dax Shepard kind of vibe. But not nearly as annoying as Dax Shepard. Can I, can I point out for people that are like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's the rich man's Dax Shepard. <laughs> well, wouldn't that make Dax Shepard the poor man's Sam Rockwell? It definitely does. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really fun. Like uh, his, it, I don't know, I mean... Oh boy, what what to say? I I watched this first in high school because um, that's how old we are, and uh, yeah. I I didn't I did not see the big twist coming. The twist being that everybody is conning everybody, uh, as you put it, and uh, and like, and the uh, twist that Allison Lohman is like a thirty year old playing a fourteen year old. Yeah, no, I even I even bought her as a teenager, which now um, it's I. I I don't because, but it's okay because you're not supposed to. I mean, here's what's interesting and and what works about this movie. I think even if you know the twist, and and I I, I don't want to like lionize this movie too much, but I do think it's solid. Um, I don't know. I, I'll be interested to kind of get into what what we think works and doesn't work on a, a kind of minute basis because I think like overall maybe you don't agree, but I think it's a very likable movie. Like, yes, it's very likable. It's very easy to watch. Yeah. Uh, and it like just satisfies you in a very, it's the kind of movie that is made for like, it's the easily digestible version of a movie for people to see. And then, 
they walk away feeling like they got it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? That's exactly what it is. Because the con is not that... I mean, the, it, it's a movie that feels a lot more clever than it actually is. It feels, it feels clever and it feels really more, well. yeah, but, and it also feels more offbeat and quirky than it really is. Yes. Yes. I, that, and that's the thing I think uh, I actually was looking up, trying to find differences between the book and the movie just because, and, but from, from what I can tell, like, it shouldn't be a surprise that the book is a lot darker or not, maybe not a lot darker, but it's just like. It, it's not as pat, uh, like right. And um, I think about uh, Ocean's Eleven, and um, uh, so I'm blanking. Uh, what's the fucking director's name? Uh, Steven Soderbergh. Soderbergh. Yeah. And you know, and that's a movie that is like popcorn fun, but as I remember it, it's pretty smart in yeah. the way that it, it, it's a movie that you're supposed to feel smart and have that same thing of like, Ooh, I followed it. I got it. Cool. It's a nice little puzzle box, but it's, but it's actually pretty complicated. And in this, like the, anything that's complicated about the con, the grand con that's being played on Nicholas Cage's character. It's just that you didn't see it coming. Right. And, and that it's just sort of like, it's not really explained like that. Oh, the doctor was in on it, but how did he know to do, you know, right. Like, you know, right. there, if you want to get into the details, then you kind of just have to say Sam Rockwell's character was smart. He was smarter than Nick Cage and he outsmarted him. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. the details that we get. Yeah. Like, why did anybody do it? Money. They wanted money. Okay. You know, and uh, like, and then the interesting stuff that comes up that I, I do think is treated well, uh, that, that is solid is that like Nicholas Cage gets happiness, gets to be a parent um, even before the reveal at the very, very and tagline that he's actually living his best life now. But, but like, you know, it's, you can hear, you can hear how conflicted I am. <laughs> and like, you know, it's, it's cool. The stuff with him and his fake daughter, like it works for me. I think their relationship is, feels real. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and the, and the, the way that this movie is done well and the way that it works is that you, even if you know, if you're not looking at what's being presented through his eyes, you want to, and which is to say like, no, this girl doesn't really look 14. She, she looks early twenties and, but you want to believe that. And that's something that we believe when we go to the movies, we, we, we have that, we want this movie to be the movie that he wants it to be, that his character wants it to be. And which is to say, Nicolas Cage is a con man. He's unhappy. He has crippling OCD and Tourette's. He is lonely. His, he gets, his daughter show, ends up back in his life and takes to what he, the only thing he's ever been good at, which is conning people and wants to connect with him that way and wants to be in his life. And, you know, and, uh, it's beautiful. And then it turns out that she's not really his daughter and his best friend and partner conned him to take all of his money. The ultimate con, the ultimate con. <laughs> and, but at the very end, it's revealed that he through through the, the, the this is what's weird. It's this kind of like it 
it feels like it's going to go for a gut punch, but it kind of just taps you because it says like, oh, like, because at the end he's, he's broke and he's working at a carpet store. But it's an extremely unsatisfying ending because it doesn't, because of exactly what you said is it just kind of, if like, if this is the coda they put on the movie, I wish they had just ended it before. Well, and I don't know if, because what I'm thinking of specifically is he goes home and he had the courage to ask out the woman who he had a crush on and they have a, yeah. a baby. And yeah. yeah, and it's like, you know, there, there's a, I think the moment before we see him going home and we see, oh, he doesn't live, he's not lonely anymore. He's happy. Actually, she did him a favor by getting conned. Everything works oh, out. Oh, oh, I see. You what know you what mean. I'm saying? Yeah. Like, see, the, I thought I, I was taking the whole carpet store thing as the same chunk of like uh-huh. him living his best life. I, but I think they reveal, they reveal that they roll it out uh, slowly because yeah. Oh, so he got conned in the last. Right. So the, that at first you're like, oh, oh, it's really pathetic that now right. he's just like, you know, uh, demoted to like a minimum wage, like right. salesman job. He was once the greatest con man. Right. But then knew. he goes home from his work and he mm-hmm. has a and he has a beautiful wife and and a baby. And and before that moment though, we we get a scene between him and his fake daughter that is really sweet and and complicated. Like he doesn't See, I disagree. You don't think so? I I I, was I think it. I think the entire coda is just a misstep and they should have just Okay. They should have either rewritten it or just lopped it off entirely. Okay, yeah, no, I, no, I see that. I it would definitely be a cleaner movie if they just lopped it off. Um but I mean, it, I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt your point. No, about no, it, no. The, I mean, I, 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 I totally see that. Like it's, it's pretty schmaltzy, but it gives, it's like, it, I didn't see him working at the carpets. It, it felt more complicated, I guess. You know, we, assuming that he still lives alone, assuming that he still, you know, there's the sense of he grew, he, he had the experience of loving somebody and being close to somebody and it bit him in the ass, and but that's okay. It's okay because sometimes that stuff uh, it it works out, and it's just part of the ride, you know. Yes, and, and that's okay. Yeah, and that is okay. And I and I see how that makes it okay because it basically makes it so that he wasn't punished for doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Because if it had ended right, before right, that, right. oh, someone. You know, he he got in touch with his estranged daughter. Uh, they got really close, and and he, you know, kind of basically found himself able and enjoying becoming right becoming a father, and that's really sweet. But then with the whole con at the end, you're like, well, that's fucked because he basically just gets punished for like trying to be a good father, right? And like reconcile right. with his daughter. It- and so by adding the coda, then yeah. that makes it okay. It, it says that the movie, the movie is not, the world of the movie is not punishing it. And, and there's the, I mean, I think the important line is that she's like, basically like, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I did that to you. And he's like, you, you know, he, it calls back to that line before about how like he, he, oh, he's, he, he justified what he was doing by saying that he didn't like, he didn't take people's money. People gave him their money. And, you know, and so he recognizes that she, you know, he had the moment of being a father and of teaching and mentoring someone and getting, you know, at the one thing that he was good at and she's going to go out and she grew and he grew. And so, I mean, like it, it's not, it's not perfect, but it, it gives like, so it gives some complexity with a a bittersweet happy ending and i but it's still kind of splitting hairs because i i do think that this movie 
if it, it does, it's a movie that suffers if you know the the the. I agree because twist. I also saw it in high school. It was one of those things. It was probably like we were trying to see some other movie, and then totally. just like we're late or someone in the group didn't want to, so we saw this instead. Like I don't remember why I saw it, but I remember seeing. We're, we're it. in that period of Nick yeah. Cage's career. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then and then I remember just kind of being like. It was completely unremarkable to right. me at the time, and I re- didn't remember anything about any specifics about the movie, with the exception of the ending, mm-hmm. which I wish I could have forgotten about because it would have made the second viewing a lot more enjoyable. Right. And the other thing that I kind of remembered were some of like Nick Cage's weird OCD tics yeah, and like sure. the scenes involving that. Right. But otherwise, I had forgotten nearly like every other specificity about the movie. Right. So it was kind of interesting to go back and watch it again. However. Yeah, I already knew the ending, so it was like, well, I didn't feel like I got the most out of it I, the I, second time. I feel like, you know, and but, th- this is this is like a backhanded compliment, but it's like I think it pulls off that the one trick well. I think the real magic of the movie is that it feels like a dumber movie than it is, and it's not that smart of a movie, but you still you're like okay, I've seen this movie before. I know how I want this to work out. And you, and then it, it cons you, you are the, it, it, it cons you along the same rules, which is a neat trick for a movie to play. It does it well, but it's not complex. It, it's a complex not thing to pull off. But if we, you know, it's but the, the actual it's mechanics the, of the movie aren't complex. Right. And it's the kind of trick that someone like Steven Soderbergh, someone like the Coen brothers, like that they managed to pull off with movies that are incredibly complex while while still uh, doing that. And I think that's like things like I have a lot to say about Nick Cage's OCD, but like thing, things like that, it's just it in hindsight and even maybe in sight is that that, (laughs) is that it's like it's just a mechanic of the storyline you know it doesn't it doesn't really deepen him as a character that much not at all it's just it's uh it's a tool he doesn't he doesn't feel and so this is i want to get into this let me get some water actually yeah sure sure So some, something I'd forgotten about this movie that came back to me um, is that it's, that it's about an OCD guy, a guy with OCD. And I was a kid with OCD. So I remember this being like, like the, the first movie I saw with a character like that was As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. And that was before I had been diagnosed as having anything. And like, it was like, what, what's wrong with him? And my mom was like, oh, he has OCD. So he has to wash his hands a lot or something, you know, <laughs> it's like that. And it's like, oh, okay. He's OCD and it makes him an asshole. <laughs> and then I watched this after it and I was like, oh, so this is the, t-. and I guess what was interesting to me is that like as a straight white male. There's not a lot of that I can, uh, w- when it comes to like representation, there's, uh, I-, I can't really complain about much, but, um, it's weird seeing, uh, I-, I think like mental health is still something that, um, movies struggle to present in a way that's not, um, a little bit shallow. And, um, 
you know, and so it, it this it's it's weird because he does have Tourette's too, which nobody, you know, they it it's just he just says OCD, but it's like he's like twitching and, and he's got all kinds yelling. of crazy got, ticks like yeah, the whole way through the movie, which is very much in Nick Cage's wheelhouse. But it's weird seeing an actor like you know, it's it's just it's weird seeing somebody sort of reduce uh reduce something complex like that to a a bunch of ticks and only because that that this is how people i I mean he said in this one interview the one interview i watched with him where it was like oh well it's like an attempt to make it so if you see somebody with those ticks like in the grocery store like you think twice about before judging them that they're yeah but my main issue with with the characterizations is that the same thing that made it like funny and charming and enjoyable to watch because Cage that you're right that is literally Cage's thing yeah. is like having weird, weird ticks. like characterizations and ticks and stuff yeah. even if the character doesn't have Tourette's mm-hmm. he just does that for his own enjoyment and yeah. he's good at it yes. so it was fun to watch but it but the problem with it is that it is that he was he was playing OCD. Yeah. He was yep. playing the ticks. Yes. He wasn't playing a character. And that really like just yeah. like and, and it, that kind of undid I think all the good that like uh, representation yes, of that kind of yeah, character exactly. does to begin with. And and you can't not see just because of the fact that it's Nicolas Cage. And it didn't really affect his life in any way. No, he cleaned his house a lot. And, and like he would like open and close a door a certain amount of times and he would, you know, like, right. and, and it was all really stereotypical reasons. Like well, again, it's not, it's not deep. It's just, it's, it's in the same way as just saying like, um, you, what they want to say is he is lonely and he doesn't know how to not be lonely. And the way that they, they see OCD as like a shortcut to that it's like then you why, can blame it on the ocd right people can't stand him because he has ocd and he not, can't stand he, being outside and being with people he, he's just driven him away from from anything but just conning people and uh and yeah and so it, it's just they they don't have to develop him into a deeper character if they can just say he has a, a diagnosed illness that you know, miracle of all miracles, his, his fake doctor gives him, uh, uh, fake pills for it. And, uh, turns out that all he needed to fix him was just a change of attitude and a change of mind. Which his uh, fake daughter gives him. Yeah. And, there there, and there are a lot of people f- faking other people out in right. this movie. And so, and that's why also like, you know, if, if the doctor hadn't been part of the con, that then it, that would almost be risable. That it's like, oh, he, uh, yeah, it's just like, um, just just think your way out of uh, <laughs> and feel your way out of no, uh, I mean that, having a debilitating illness, right? But I mean like, that that is essentially what it is. But it what what's interesting, what is actually interesting, is that it works for him, and it's but it's done by someone conning him so again it's that that thing of well he got stuff out of this he he learned to live um by getting his money stolen (laughs) but and and that's maybe like if we want to really dig down like that's kind of the 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 real message at the heart of this movie which is unfortunate is the same shit that we see through so many like stories and screenplays written by aging, mostly white men, which is just like, 
you know, what is, I've, what is the expense of success and what is, and you know, why, why don't, I mean, the fact that this is, uh, he has this manic pixie dream daughter show up. Right, that's <laughs> totally what it felt like to me. It was like, she was like a manic pixie dream girl, but instead mm-hmm. of, but yeah, but like manic pixie dream daughter, basically. Right. But she, she fulfilled the same she's like everything slot in the, it, in the movie that, yeah. Right. She's everything that his character wants in a daughter and she p- plays it without any complexity. And then it's revealed that it's an act, you know, so we've been being conned by it, but we, you know, like cons and aside, like it's still the, the focus and obsession of this movie is still on that thing of like the, the it's like liar, liar, or so many fucking movies just about middle-aged men who can't connect with people and they just need to they need like, to get taught a lesson. They need to get taught a lesson by the women and children and people of color and whoever around them. The family man. The family man. Exactly. So that's fucking boring <laughs> for all the interesting things that this movie. And had. even Ridley Scott can't make it not boring. He can't. Yeah. No gladiator. I mean, I don't really have like that's the thing is I don't have any like insane like soaring revelations about no. this movie. It was just a pretty half decently well done, but ultimately inconsequential and forgettable. Uh, you know, like comedy drama. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like, you know, and like Nick Cage puts in a a passable performance. Everything but the ticks. Everything, which it's not, again, it's like, it's, if the story didn't hinge on that being something that it was ostensibly treating with seriousness, well, because he's, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. And he just lives in like a hip bachelor pad and listens to like Bobby Darren and drinks like scotch. Yeah. Like, it's like, this is not the life of someone that's like crippled from like, you know, debilitating OCD, which no, he's doing bad things. He's, he's like, and blaming it on OCD. But, well, and, and I mean, that's again, kind of where the movie kind of faints when it should have actually hit is that like, we see him pull a con on like an elderly couple, him and Sam Rockwell early on. And it's like, Ooh, he's, that's just really shitty. But the rest of the movie, he's just referring to his whole life of doing that. And, and that's the thing that I did read in the book. He does like the, the part where he teaches his daughter how to scam people at the laundromat, which I really wish they'd elaborated. Like, I wish they had done a, <laughs> they'd done like a karate kid montage type yeah, thing of, yeah. of, of him, like taking her on different, like different jobs scams. to like scan, like con people. Yeah. Right. It would have, that would have been great. But in the book, I guess he doesn't do that to teach her. He just does it by himself and keeps the money, which it's not a huge difference, but it's like if, if there was some weight to the idea that he's not just a sad, lonely man, but he's actually like a bad man. Like, or a man who is doing bad things. And they say that, that sure, she says that, like, mom says you're a bad guy, but, you know, you don't seem bad to me, daddy. Uh, like... But it, it, he doesn't. He he doesn't seem bad. Like we, right, we, right, it's right. because this is from his point of view. I guess we, we want to like him, but it. But the move. It's like, but the movie does like him. We we. It's it, it makes him a likable character to the detriment of the movie. Can you hold on a second, Dave? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we can get into like the minutia 
I think we've covered anything big there is to say. This is the first movie where Nicolas Cage is a dad. I mean, besides The Family Man, where he was the fake fake Nicolas Cage was a dad, but you know, this he's this is middle aged Cage. Um, the therapist looked like Jerry Springer to me. I seriously thought I ser- <laughs> Yeah, it's not, but it, I he, thought that it was like when he first showed up on screen for like one split second. I thought it was Jerry Springer. The, but the voice too and everything it's it's just a character actor. Um Spearmint Rhino plays a Yes. Yes. plays a role. I really appreciate that. Um I appreciate that they I mean they usually make go to fake strip clubs and movies but for people outside of LA, Spearmint Rhino is a real place. They and have they pr- a couple locations. Yeah. They probably do still play Kid Rock inside them too. I'm sure they do. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, it's 2003 and he still uses a pager. Well, there's that part where is the, this, is the, this for some con man reason? So it's like harder to trace or something or like, why, why is a full grown adult in 2003 using a pager? Still? Remember that part where the character is like that internet thing. It's a fad. I can't figure it out. My daughter's a whiz at it. Yeah. Like we're not like, like this isn't like 1989. Like they have like we we've, we've have had things like email and there's a part where he's talking on a cordless phone and he's like my phone's going to die. <laughs> Do the OCD sequences are they effective? Not are they accurate, but are they effective? I, I mean in the way that like no, sorry. I, I should clarify. When I say OCD sequences, I don't mean the ones just of him like, showing him having OCD, but the ones where like the camera gets jerky oh. and like and the and the mm. audio kind of blurs, and you can see him like it's a it's a visual representation right. of him having like an episode. I I mean it's it's effective in the sense that like if you lock your keys in the car, like a club is effective at getting into your car. Like you know it. I feel like we know what it's trying to communicate and. You know the, but it's not handled with any subtlety. No, it's the opposite of subtlety. I'm yeah, it, it, and you know, again, like I don't know, it didn't, it didn't like bother me, bother me, but it's just, it's just dumb. It, it's just like dumb movie making. What's up with the fuck with the fashion in this movie, <laughs> dude? I don't even want to use that word. Like. But. <laughs> Rockwell's outfits are crazy. Yeah. And and also Cage wearing notice the Cage just wears like the same like gray sweatpants with like a white t-shirt and like a gray unzipped hoodie and then like house shoes on. Well, he wears when he's he, just like in his house. That's like yeah. his like house uniform. Right. Yes, and and he has these like sloppy blazers that he wears and like and then like bowling shirts. There's so many bowling shirts in this movie. Honestly, Cage looks really good in bowling shirts. Yeah, he pulls it off. Sam like, Rockwell looks okay too. He looks really silly in this movie, but and he, he has like that cowboy hat. He has that he also has that hat. I don't know what it's called, but it, it looks kind of like a puff pastries on your head, but it's like collapsing. You know what I'm talking about? No, I think it's I like don't. light blue. It, it looks kind of like a Kengel hat. But <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, what's the name for that kind of hat? I don't, I don't know. They're, they're stupid looking. He was wearing it like backwards. <laughs> 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 and when he like meets his daughter and she's actually, yeah, as an adult, you know, quote unquote, and she's wearing that. It's just every, every, I, don't, I can't even get into it. She looks like an extra on Gilmore girl. She looks like the bride of Chucky, but like toned down. 
She looks like one of the main characters in Scream 3. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because <laughs> I think, it, because again, it's, it's like she's an adult. She's an adult now, guys. See? She's an adult in like the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, Allison Loman is like young looking enough that like they put her in braces and pigtails to make her look young. And you're like, mm-hmm. but they, then they had to like just straighten her hair, st- yeah, steer right. the car super right. hard the opposite way and be like, okay, she's getting a push up bra. She is getting thigh high boots. She's, she's going carpet shopping, looking like she's going out dancing afterwards. The one sequence, his freak out in the uh, drugstore is one of those ones that's in every uh, uh, it's a good one. compilation it's a really of good one. Nick Cage freaking out. And it's, it's so silly where he says, have you ever been d- dragged into the sidewalk and beat until you pissed blood? <laughs> like nobody else would do a line reading like that. It's, uh, you know, you think that uh, it wouldn't be funny to me at this point, but uh, it's, it, it it's never gets still, old. It literally never gets it's old. It's so unique. It, and then he later he says, bullshit, mon. <laughs> What's up with him in like, Jamaican, like Jamaican, accent? Jamaican accents? I don't know. What does he think that's like, what does he think that communicates? So, so weird. Also, the decision to that he keeps his money in that bulldog tchotchke, I thought, or like his his daughter gets him like an ashtray with a little porcelain chihuahua on it. Yeah. Like those little touches were like, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, don't I know feel like they were it. supposed to mean something or like point towards something, yeah, but, it commun- but then it was never followed through. Yeah. It, it, it ends up just feeling like style choices when I Which think, it very I think well you're right. I think, been. I think it's like. I mean, that's well. It's not style. It's not stylistic and stylish enough to. You're stylish enough to be stylistic in the sense that, like, it it doesn't call. It doesn't call attention to itself necessarily. But it, it, except that, like you said, I think it feels like it's trying to say something about the community or the class or whatever of these people. But instead, it just feels like it just feels very of its time. It feels very 2003 in a way that. is like kind of half aware, but like not, not really, like you said, scream three. It's it, it, I mean, the way his fucking bachelor pad is decorated and just the whole vibe of it is like, it's not, it's not vaporwave, but it's like, um, whatever you would call the like aesthetic of, uh, photos with digital cameras from 2003 (laughs) and like, you know, a lot of like earth tones and, and yeah. uh, weird oversaturated blown out lighting and um, just, I don't know. It's, it's really ugly sunglasses. Like the ugliest. The ugliest sunglasses. Everyone is wearing like butt ugly sunglasses. Yeah. Sam Rockwell obviously gets the like first prize. He has like bright blue like wraparounds like Oakley's. <laughs> Nick Cage I think is some like wireless. Uh, it's just, it's ugly. So, uh, do you want to play a little game? Yes. Okay. I want to go through the list of each of our like top favorite Ridley Scott movies Mm. and which like weird wild card deep cut Ridley Scott movies we've seen that we think are either really good or really bad. And we just like want to kind of talk about them for a second. Great. Great. Cause he's had a really long career and it's extremely divisive. It is weirdly divisive for how kind of, uh, 
unexceptional. Most I think of it is. A, a lot of it is, yeah. Because he has he has a couple iconoclastic movies like Alien and Blade Runner and Gladiator, yeah. and then there's yes. a, just a bunch of stuff in between. Yeah. That is like you forget was even him if you even remember it existed at all. Oh, whoa! He directed the video for Roxy Music's Avalon, um, or one of that's weird. Oh, really? That's, that's no why way. That, that makes that, that song gets yeah. Dropped. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I mean, Alien is my favorite sci-fi movie. One of my favorite horror movies of all time. I agree with you. I think and, on those and Blade Runner. Um, Blade Runner, I've never got into as much as seemingly everybody else in the world, but um, I, it's it's great. It's really good. It's really it's really, really good. good. I and and so I think in in light of the fact that he made two of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. like does that mean he's one of my favorite directors? Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think my love of those movies is uh, outsized comparing compared to like how I feel about most of his stuff what's weird about that is that the, those movies are not necessarily, uh, they feel like the work of the same director, I guess. Um, but they're just so much better. Um, but he, I mean, he made Thelma and Louise, which I've never seen, but, uh, I know is like pretty respected and seems pretty good. He made legend, which I also have never seen. I highly recommend legend that that's actually one of my, uh, you know, weird, uh, like Ridley Scott yeah. recommendations is definitely see legend. Tim, it's one of Tim Curry's best roles. Ooh. He plays like a, I don't think he's literally the devil, but he looks like the devil. He, he plays some kind of like demon sorcerer. Uh, and he's, I mean, I think like, you know, it's, it's one of his all time best roles. Uh, and Tom Cruise, oh. um, is plays the lead a sort of like Tarzan Peter Pan like jungle boy <laughs> kind of like character who like just lives in the forest Whoa. as like a free spirit okay and like he he has like an elvish friend and they go on an adventure or some shit anyway it's a crazy fantasy movie yeah, that sounds good uh and Another one that's really that's really fucking weird that not many people have seen is Black Rain yeah, I was from 1989. So Michael Douglas um, is in it, and I think it's a I think it's also a really good Michael Douglas role. Uh, you know, he just plays like the he's just a very like you know stoic badass as <laughs> Michael Douglas does, uh, and it's like isn't a, he like five foot two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's like really just a pretty unassuming I mean, like small guy. So is Tom Tom Cruise is very short too, so but yeah, that looks great. Anyway, it's cool. He plays like a motorcycle cop or detective that like goes up against the like yakuza or some kind of like on Japanese underground um syndicate. Sick. It's pretty cool. Have you ever seen 1492 Conquest no. of Paradise? No, but I actually want to. Yeah. Is, is is that about it's like Columbus. Christopher Columbus. Yeah. yeah. That's, that looks bonkers. Same. Sigourney Weaver, I, Gerard Depardieu. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then like, I've seen GI Jane. I remember it being, but again, I was really young, yeah. but I remember it being good. White Squall. Um, I've never seen I, that. No, I, but it's like, you know, it's another, it's a movie about groups of 
serious men doing deadly serious things. <laughs> that seems to be Ridley Scott's MO. Yeah. I um, mean, Gladiator, I haven't seen since it came out either, but it's great. Yeah. I, I will always go to bat for that movie. I mean, it's one just, of Joaquin Phoenix's best roles. I mean, he's incredible in that movie and also one of Russell Crowe's best. Yeah. yeah uh, and easily. Russell Crowe really bothers me in most of his movies. No, he's good. Uh, I do want to give a really special shout out to his first feature uh, called The Duelists. It stars Keith Carradine and Harvey Keitel. Wow. Uh, and they basically are like, it's a weird, it takes place in like Napoleonic times. And it's like two French officers. Whoa, Harvey Keitel has braids. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's crazy. It's, it's a, it's a, it's actually not a great movie, but I, I think it's, it was really interesting, and I watched it on a whim because I'd never heard of it, and it, yeah, I was surprised that it even existed. I want to give um, a an apologist shout out to Hannibal, which is. I mean, you when you compare it to it's good. You compare it to Silence of the Lambs. You compare anything to Silence of the Lambs, and it's going to suffer because Silence of the Lambs is a, a, one of the best thriller slash horror movies ever. But Hannibal is is way worse. It's like overwrought and fucking ridiculous. Oh, but I really enjoy it. I do too. There's some really really fun stuff in there and the, like the scene at the dinner table the t- like come on that scene is like scene. A, iconic that iconic. scene is so good or the whole thing about the dude getting his face ripped up yeah. by dogs <laughs> yeah. and everything I, I forget who plays it's some great actor uh and um i mean it's just it's just it's really tasteless but it's really it's fun, fun. it's really fun it's a stupid movie that is de- deserves a better reputation than it has do you ever see american gangster no. No, I didn't. No, either. me either. Robin Hood, I heard, was shitty. Yeah, shitty. Prometheus, oh, I, mean, that, I mean, there's there's enough nerds on the internet going into everything that's wrong with Prometheus. But Yeah, I will say this about Prometheus because I also don't want to turn this into like a Reddit thread. <laughs> but uh, it's just the classic case of if it was its own standalone movie, it would have fared mm, a lot better. It would have. And I, and I still... I still hold to that. Um, I, I mean, the thing that I think is most frustrating about Prometheus is that um, seems like sixty percent of it is thought through with extreme specificity, and it does. There's so much world building and really fascinating, interesting, deep ideas, and then forty percent of it feels like it was written in a week. Like some of the dialogue and character decisions and just things like are incredible. But that's what happens when you have stupid. a huge franchise tentpole release. And there's just like a billion cooks in the kitchen. Well, and it was written by that Damien Lindoff, the the, oh, the yeah. fu- Lindelof, the guy from Lost. Yeah. So I didn't watch Lost, but it seems like that was kind of the party line. Is that like he just uh, he that's his he has these like big deep uh, complex that, like, ideas don't, that don't go anywhere. But yeah, that don't go anywhere, and then are filled with characters who don't actually make sense as people. Like I'm like, how how are those the best? astronauts to go on this extremely important mission. I mean, that same kind of thing with Alien Covenant, but like, you know. But Alien Covenant was more was way was more fun. more fun and yeah. took itself less seriously. Prometheus has that great surgery scene, though. I love that scene. Yeah, it, that, that ranks up there with anything in uh, the Alien series. Uh, the Counselor from 2013. I can say that it is one of the weirdest movies I have ever seen. And it's better if you know nothing about it going into it, except I will say Cameron Diaz literally fucks the windshield of the <gasps> Ferrari. Oh, I've seen that. Have he, you that seen was this? Ridley Scott? Yeah. Shit. That written, is an insane movie. Written by Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. 
I completely forgot about. I felt like this was like a dream I had. No, dude, this movie's real. And Michael it's, Fassbender and it's completely bombs. Javier Bardem. Yeah, this this is one of the weirdest big studio movies to come out in the last twenty years. Brad Pitt. Yeah, that's. Don't see Matchstick Men. See The Counselor. You will you will get more out of it. And uh, have a deeper, more interesting feelings about it. You will not be satisfied, but you will be aroused. 